Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Welcome, welcome everybody to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. I'm your host, Charles Ogar, and I'm here with my special guest, Emily Bartholomew. And today we're going to be going over some top reasons why Kizomba sets your heart on fire. Our goal with this podcast is to kind of give people a little bit of an insight of what makes Kizomba so addicting and how it differs from other dances as well. Most of you know me already through my Neo Kizomba platform. I'm a full-time Kizomba instructor. I travel all over. I'm teaching Kizomba in a lot of different places, but that's not what the podcast is about. But I'm very in love with the dance. And Salsa was my first dance, my first dance love, I should say for sure, because there's still a special place in my heart for Salsa. But Kizomba has definitely been my main focus for almost four years now. And I'll let Emily talk a little bit about herself. So I am teaching Kizomba with Sabor Royero. It's a dance company from the Rio Grande Valley. I teach in Harmonyville. And I've been dancing Kizomba for only a year and a half, but I think in that amount of time, I've gone a little bit crazy. I absolutely agree with Charles about it being very addicting. Uh, I, I met Charles when he came down to do workshops, and I've also done a lot of training with him. But I think for the most part, our, our friendship really kind of blossomed when we were nerding out, mostly over Facebook Messenger and texting and things like that, talking about Kizomba. So I'm definitely not a full-time dancer. I'm an immigration attorney, and before that, I was a teacher. So my my background isn't purely dance, but definitely interested in the, the teaching aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, in terms of dance, I also started out with salsa about two and a half years ago. I do dance and teach a little bit of the Latin rhythms. But as far as the music I was dancing to growing up, it was always hip hop. So getting into formal dance instruction and also training through workshops and privates and going to congresses and things like that is fairly new to me. Don't forget that you've traveled recently to Europe as well. That's true, that's true. I've been to five Kizomba congresses Mm -hmm. within the past year or so, and two of those were in Europe. So yeah, I've done quite a bit of training in Spain and Portugal, at least on that one trip, but I definitely have more European training travels on the horizon. Definitely, definitely. It's definitely needed, especially if you're learning Kizomba here in the States to travel to Europe because the scene there is so super, super advanced. They started a while before we did. But um, let's go ahead and dive right into six reasons why Kizomba sets your heart on fire. These aren't in any particular order, but we're just going to list them here for you and you can hear what goes on in the mind of a Kizombero, if you will, especially if you're a salsero or a batatero, or if you're a fellow Kizomba addict, resonate with a lot of the reasons that we're going to be calling out for you here. All right, so here we go. Numero uno, the first, you want to do the drum roll again? The first reason why Kizomba sets your heart on fire is going to be connection. And connection is kind of a loaded reason. There are three kind of subsets that we've kind of put here for you to break down. Um, We have connection of like just yourself in different aspects. We have connection with just another human being or a partner in the dance realm. And then you also have connection with the music, which is also unique um, compared to a lot of other dances, specifically salsa 
and bachata. Connection with self, we'll start off there. We have kind of like a physical sense and we have kind of like a spiritual slash intangible sense. Um, we'll start off with the physical. Um, you definitely require you to be very, very self-aware of your posture, very, very self-aware of your weight transfer and the way that you're transferring your weight from step to step as you execute a, a variety of different steps and things like that. We also need to be super aware of our balance. Balance is super, super key for a leader and for a follower. And we'll pick Emily's brain here in a second on that as well from a follower's perspective. And then also, since Kizomba isn't married to the eight count for the, big, for the basic step, as you see with bachata or with salsa, it does inspire expressing creativity through like your own movement. For my, I guess, history, you could say growing as a dancer in Kizomba and then growing as a Kizomba instructor and then seeing those same kind of similar hiccups and like struggles with like beginning Kizomberos and Kizomberas is balance definitely plays a huge factor in that and being aware of what they're doing. And that's definitely a challenge, but it's one of those reasons that once you do get it, you feel a lot more in tune with yourself, which I feel inspires that kind of intangible connection with yourself and knowing who you are, what your energy is, making sure that you're really relaxed and things like that. Yeah, so I would just say from the follows perspective in terms of the physical connection with yourself, uh, as Charles was alluding to, balance is really critical. So I think you're connecting with yourself through dancing as a follow by just being very aware by your posture and the placement of your own body because of course it's it's a partner dance but there's a real there's a real limit to how well you can connect at the next level with a partner if you're not able to connect with yourself in the sense of just managing your weight and gravity gravity mm -hmm. being able to to transfer your weight in a balanced way and with respect to expressing creativity through movement of course it's different from a follows perspective because a lot of the movement and the steps are being initiated of course by our lead so i think one way of looking at this creativity is style or styling and i th i think probably the more straightforward way of looking at this is whether or not the song inspires you for example to express yourself by adding a little bit more hip movement on your basic two or something like that for the follow but another way I think um, it relates to this whole concept of Jinga, which a lot of people talk about that is just body movement, but I've heard a lot of people say that it's your own personal swagger. And I really kind of like that concept. And of course, men can have Jinga too. And that to me is the idea is that we all have our own style and even walking. The way you get up from a chair in the kitchen and walk to get yourself a glass of water you have your own your own personal style and your own personal flavor so kizomba is one way of connecting with that and being able to express it in music and certainly as a follow when i'm practicing on my own and i'm sort of interpreting the music more than i would be when i'm following a lead who's initiating the steps in the movement there's more latitude for that definitely definitely and i feel having a really strong foundation of that self-awareness from a physical aspect lays the foundation to move us into like the more in tune with yourself when the in an intangible aspect as far as being in the present moment you can't really be distracted and be aware of yourself at the same time so you kind of have to kind of focus on yourself and really feel what it is that your body is doing you're aware of your energy and also i found that it's also been a very safe medium to express sensuality in a respectful way for males and females with each other um, which can be taboo if you start to like overlap too far into sexuality and like 
it being consensual and like really connecting with your partner versus like allowing the connection to kind of flourish into that realm of sensuality, if you will, versus just trying to like try to force it like from the first step without even getting to know the person. There's a lot to go on with that. Um, with me, it's definitely um, being like almost meditating with yourself, almost when you're dancing by yourself and like feeling where your step is going, where the weight is on your feet and things like that. Um, for a lead, it's also really, really super important to make sure that your vibe is nice and calm. So you kind of send that energy to your follow to make sure she's also nice and calm because if you're tense, then some of that energy can rub off on her and she becomes tense and then the dance doesn't flow as well in that. And then also as far as sensuality, like we, it's a very close embrace dance. Um, there's also, there's always respect and etiquette and things like that. But I feel like I'm able to express sensuality in a very safe way that is welcomed um, when I feel the need for it. If it's in the music with my partner, etc., there's multiple factors, but there is a safe way to do that um, with a random stranger. And that doesn't happen. Like, where else can you go to, like, hug a random stranger and, like, rub your body on them <laughs> without even knowing the person's <laughs> name or even speaking their language, you know? But, like, you speak that common language of Kizoma, so it's really an awesome thing. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought of in this context, I think we've talked about about this before, is that if Charles had walked up to me in a bar, you know, and he was just a random guy, and we didn't meet in the Kizomba context, I probably wouldn't feel comfortable or safe dancing in such a close way that Kizomba can often be danced. And, you know, I think as a woman, we're used to going out to bars and sort of feeling like if... Uh, a man talks to us that he wants to get something and that for me at least my guard is kind of up but in the social dance context i'd say generally but in particular for kizomba because it certainly has the ability to be very sensual it does feel more safe for me because i'm only saying yes or no to one dance and then i know because of the basically the social rules of dancing that i can politely decline in the future if i'm not comfortable with it but it, it's really nice to be able to express my sensuality, which I think for for many people, it's such a huge part of their personality. And I think for a lot of women I know in particular, they're really drawn to dance in general because it's a way to express your sensuality that isn't contextualized in a relationship or in the physicality of sex. And it's it's one way to enjoy music. Most definitely. So once we get that connection of self, then he's almost a partner dance, obviously. So we get to share that with another person. Um, there are people who practice meditation on their own, but I've heard Kizomba be described as like meditation for two. You're kind of in that close embrace. I even heard a friend talk about how, if you guys are aware of what chakras are, like you have several chakras from another person in close proximity and that kind of creates some spiritual connection or like intangible soul vibe connection. And then also, if we want to take a look at it from like a scientific aspect, hugging a person for at least 20 seconds, we've seen several studies that talk about the release of oxytocin from your brain. And that also is kind of like the love hormone, I believe is what they call it, or the bonding hormone. Yeah, I think it's a bonding hormone. And what I've heard is that oxytocin is released for women, for example, when they're breastfeeding and also during orgasm. So mm -hmm. it's the, I think the natural chemical property is that you, that you tend to bond. For sure, for sure. So as far as connecting with a partner, I feel you can definitely appreciate the beauty of somebody's spirit and vibe because in Kizoma, since it's danced so close, you're not really looking at the person that you're dancing with. You get to feel who you're dancing with. So it's very common to see follows close their eyes. And it's very, it's also 
common to see sometimes leads close their eyes. It can be a little tricky sometimes because they have to be aware of the floor <laughs> craft and they can't be like bumper cars all over the place. But being able to appreciate the beauty of a woman close to you without necessarily seeing her with your eyes, I feel is something that's helped me kind of appreciate intimacy a lot more. And it's not something that's so visual. Of course, like you like to see sexy people and skimpy clothes and stuff like that. That's that's kind of normal. I think that's kind of human nature, but it's a different sense of appreciation of that beauty when you feel it from somebody's like spirit slash vibe. Partner following is also like a really true lead and true follow dance like you would see in tango and like in ballroom dancing, like there's that pinnacle of it, like the follow doesn't back lead. And we'll talk about how Kizoma's like, I'm like a magnifying glass to those kind of techniques. Another interesting concept that we found is like a lot of people who are into Kizomba also have a high score for physical touch love languages. And if you haven't heard about the five languages, we'll get into that as well. I also feel like connecting with another person in the today's day and age, like especially in the world of Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, and we're so used to like staying in touch with each other digitally. Now I can really connect with somebody that I may or may not know um, body to body, human to human. And that's pretty awesome as well. So Emily, let's go ahead and talk about your challenges that you faced as a follow compared to other dances that you danced in the past. I think the challenge of the follow is a major distinguishing characteristic for Kizomba versus other kinds of dances, in particular salsa and bachata was sort of my frame of reference. And it's that challenge is really something that inspired me to want to learn more Kizomba because I, I wanted to improve and have great social dances. And so I think what is really challenging about the follow is that if I were to compare it to salsa, for example, if a cross body lead starts, I mean, there's only so many ways it can end. And I, you can almost tell by the way it's led within the first couple of counts. You know, maybe you're just going to go straight across. Maybe they're going to do a right turn. Maybe it's going to be a double turn. But basically when it starts, you know how it's going to end and you know what the tempo is going to be on every beat. Kizomba is very challenging because when a Saida starts, I have no idea how it's going to end or if it will end. <laughs> so uh, a Saida has five steps mm -hmm. and the... The way it can be led, it can be done on tempo, so you're just stepping on every beat, or it can be syncopated, so you're stepping in one and two and three and. It could be half time, so you're stepping on every two beats, or quarter time when you're um, transferring weight on every four beats. So there's really an unlimited amount of creativity that the lead can have. And as a follow, you really have to pay attention because you don't know if the steps are going to continue from the first step to the second step to the third step, or if it's going to go back, or if you're going to stop on step three of the Saida and do something completely different. And um, something else in some of the more recent workshops that I've taken that has opened my mind a lot is this idea um, of following as actually following rather than guessing well. That's something mm -hmm. Kayem was talking about when he came to Austin to give workshops. And it really forces me on a moment-to-moment -moment basis to really be paying attention not only to the steps that are being led, but the tone. Mm -hmm. And basically, my interpretation of the lead's interpretation of the song and that has really helped my uh, salsa and bachata follow a lot as well to just be really paying attention but it takes this certain amount of conscious energy that i also apply to meditation so when i meditate i'm trying not to actively think of different thoughts i'm i'm trying to keep my mind clear and what it takes for me to stay to continue meditating rather than entertain you know my to-do list for example takes a certain amount of moment to moment concentration that i also have to apply to kizomba in order to follow rather than guess well Definitely, definitely. And for our leaders aspects, 
Emily was talking about all the variety that can occur during a Saida, but all that is inspired from the lead. So lead not only has to be on the music, but according to the music, since your step doesn't have to start on the one count or anything like that, because it is eight count music, that opens up a whole plethora. Like you're not using the count of the music to dictate where you need to do or where you need to go. But in actuality, you just kind of keep a flow going more so than anything. Um, I think like a first kind of basic step is just to kind of dance everything on tempo, but especially with the more modern slash neo slash urban music that does have a lot more musicality and like things in the music to play around with versus a more uh, traditional song. So that's pretty awesome. So I feel in that aspect, if you're a really good lead, like Kizoma will showcase that on a smaller scale. So it's almost like you have this magnifying glass of like lead and follow technique. If you don't have any balance, it will show in Kizomba. If you don't have any body movement, it'll show in Kizomba. If you're not connecting to your partner and you're just focusing on patterns and not connecting with your partner, it will show in Kizomba. So it's really helping shine a light on all of these subtle nuances that are important in every social dance aspect. But I feel like highlighting that like from the get-go with Kizomba helps your salsa, your bachata, your West Coast swing and things like that. Being in the present moment, all that is kind of like really, really, really important. Um, even going into like your posture and your frame, if you have bad posture or frame, that'll show in Kizoma and it will limit what you're able to do on the dance floor as a follow or as a lead. And let's talk a little bit about love languages. So the five love languages is a book by the author Gary Chapman. We'll include a link to that as well. And there are five love languages total. First, well, they're not in any particular order, like, but for me, my first one is physical touch, then words of affirmation. Then we have acts of service. Then we have gifts and then quality time. So you can rank in different orders in those five languages of how you like to express and also receive your love. And this can be love from a brother to a sister. It can also be in a romantic sense or also like with a family member or with your child. Like all that is kind of like love is love, um, but there's different types of love, but the book doesn't limit itself to just like romantic love. But I have this Facebook group called Kiss Connection. I also put a link for that in Facebook where we talk about different topics. And one of the topics that I talked about was um, the five blue languages. And mostly everybody that commented scored pretty high in the physical touch love language, which was really, really interesting. We'll be doing another podcast on that to kind of like give that some more do justice in that topic and kind of delve into that some more. But yeah, that's really interesting to see that as well. Have you have people who have similar love languages who, who might not even know it kind of click with each other and kind of gravitate towards Kizomba, where somebody else who has a different type of love languages might not get called to Kizomba in a similar in a similar way, you know? Yeah, I think doing the love languages quiz, Charles was the one who told me about it, and mine top two is the exact same as his. Mm -hmm. I think you could get, on the particular quiz I took, there's 12 is the max, and I think I'm like 11 <laughs> out of 12. I had 11. <laughs> yeah, and it's it makes sense, and it's something that really correlates well with why I think I'm so in love with it is because the way I understand giving and receiving love and certain, certainly my family, mm -hmm. I was just telling Charles after um, spending Christmas with my family that I noticed that, that we're, you know, hugging and have our arms around each other and things like that a lot. And that's what Kizomba feels like mm -hmm. is a walking hug. And like the main thing is like you do feel love doing it. So why wouldn't you want to like dive into that arms wide open to like feel more and more loved, you know? And that goes into like how some people in the dance scene are still single. That's another topic <laughs> of like single people in the dance scene and how that correlates to like finding a way to kind of bridge that gap where you do feel loved without having to commit to a relationship. But that's that's a whole big can of worms on its own. Last thing with the partner is just 
um, that physical touch aspect kind of touches into like the digital age of what we're in right now. Like a lot of us do so much from our mobile phones to communicate with each other. And I feel like it's pretty awesome to like just turn off your cell phones, hug somebody for an extended period of time. I mean, in Kizoma, it's not uncommon to dance five, 10, 15, 20 minutes. The particular partner, if it's a strictly Kizoma social where the songs are being mixed, where there's no end, that's really awesome. Just meditate and like really feel their presence and enjoy their energy. And it's not really in a, in a sexual way, it's just more of a sensual where you got kind of like feeding each other's, I guess, need for that kind of human connection, you know, because we are social creatures, you know? I mean, we, we touch each other, we give high fives, we slap each other on the butt. We do all kinds of stuff to express that we are kind of social. Some people more than others, depending on their upbringing, but I think that's pretty awesome that Kizomba opens that door for sure. Um, the last thing for a connection we want to talk about is just music. Music is not boxed into an account, which I was talking about before, as far as like the leading aspect of Kizomba. There's so much freestyle ability. I guess the easiest thing to kind of paint a picture for you guys is like, imagine a hip hop dancer. And a hip hop dancer, hip hop songs are, are of course, to the eight count, but how often do you see them repeat moves if they're doing like a choreography or something like that? They dance to the eight count, they dance to the bass, the beat, the breaks, the lyrics, like they're just engulfing and like swallowing the whole song and like really embodying that. And I feel like Kizomba opens up that in a partner dance kind of way. And we have our whole thoughts on dancing Kizomba to hip hop, but that's another conversation entirely. We are in favor for the record. <laughs> we're pro, we're pro Kizomba to hip hop music. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the counts don't kind of box you in. So I know with me, especially having a strong salsa, a salsa background, when I first started dancing Kizomba, it was really tough to kind of break out of that eight count box and just kind of flow with the music and let that inspire the movement versus trying to like fit it into like an eight count. So it was like nice and pretty. It doesn't have to be nice and pretty. And you see the same thing in Kizomba. You might see some of the same moves, but like they're not, they might not repeat. Or if it does repeat, it's for a reason, like because they're hearing something in the music or something like that. So that's really, really awesome. And that, that freestyle ability does tie into the challenge for the follow to like not expecting thing because let alone dancing with the same person, if you're dancing with 15, 20, 25 different leaders and a social in the night, that is a challenge in its own, you know? It is. And just on the subject of what it means to connect to the music for a follow, I think is different from the lead's perspective. So like a lot of girls, at least around in Texas, I both lead and follow. And what the way I connect to the music is different in both contexts. So I would say the lead is really doing most of the interpretation of the music, because if you have two different people interpreting the music independently, that's that's a kizomba shine happening while you're connected and it doesn't it doesn't really work i think there has to be the sort of contract where one person is leading so they're initiating the movement so both people can dance together and certainly uh, men can follow and women can lead it doesn't have to be the typical gender role thing but what i found is that i it can actually distract me if i'm trying to connect too much with the music as a follow and i'm hearing something different than the lead is hearing because it interferes with my ability to dance with him so a really interesting experience that I had is that one of the best Kizomba dances I've ever had was to a song I didn't actually like, but it seemed at least that the person who was leading me really enjoyed the song and it was, it was wonderful. It was perfect because I'm really focusing more on that connection with my partner when I'm following than I am with connecting with the music. That's pretty awesome to hear. And we talked about that in a recent video that we put on Facebook, just like there are certain songs, depending on your cultural background and your upbringing, that elevate you to this level of euphoria. For us here in the States, some of that is like hip hop, R&B. Like I grew up listening to like Boys to Men, 
what are we listening to before? 112, Missy Elliott, Buster Rhymes, TLC, SWV, if you wanted to go back, Mary J. Blige, that kind of thing. And you hear those songs, you're like, oh, it's going down <laughs> on the dance floor, you know? It's like, but I mean, our parents did the same thing when we were growing up. Oh, it's an oldie song. We're like, yeah. So it's like, there's a generational gap in that as well. Um, you kind of like have that nostalgic feel for music that you grew up with. And we've seen that same happiness with Angolan or Cape Verdean or Portuguese people who grew up with a song or just love a song or love that artist. Maybe they've seen that artist and things like that. And it kind of elevates them to that same euphoric level of, of happiness, which is pretty awesome. And this allows us to go into the second reason why Kizoma sets your heart on fire is the music itself. A lot of people love, love, love the music and get drawn into the music. There is a lot of history and stories behind the origins of Kizomba. There's a lot of fusion that was happening. I mean, you have, just to throw out some musical genres because we're not like super Kizomba historians with a master's degree in Kizomba, but like you have Semba, you have Zouk, you have Rebita, you have Compa, you have Calypso, you have Soca, you have all these kind of rhythms, then other Latin rhythms that are also affecting each other as well. And all these kind of African rhythms that were emerging and there was like a fusion and kind of gave birth to Kizoma. It's, it's a long story. We'll definitely bring somebody on the podcast to kind of walk us down their interpretation of that in a more complete way in a future episode. But the music has definitely drawn in a lot of people from a lot of cultural backgrounds, a lot of different ethnic backgrounds. And Recently, I've been using this hashtag called hashtag Earth Kids a lot more because you just see that Kizomba has crossed so many cultural and national borders and each one are kind of having their own little imprints on what Kizomba is. And I think it's a beautiful thing for us to be able to share that happiness and that joy with another person. I remember in one of my first trips to Europe, we're in a class and the class was huge and like you would switch partners. You didn't even know what language to ask or what language to use to ask what language they spoke because <laughs> <laughs> um, because it was French, English, Spanish, Portuguese, all kinds of stuff. Like it was hard to just figure out. But I mean, we we're still all there for the for the joy and beauty of the dance it was kind of a beautiful thing. I've never had that experience before, but everybody was like in love with Kizoma. So it's definitely an awesome thing um, here in the States can have more neo music or modern music, which can have R&B, hip hop, pop, pop, not pop, pop. I was like, what's, what's pop? It's, you're so cool, <laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> Rock music into classical music, um, opera songs, soul music that's kind of been revamped and remixed into like Kizoma versions, which is pretty awesome. Um, I've had privates with a friend who is from Russia and she played me some songs that are Russian pop songs that have been remixed to Kizomba. I know there's like a Swedish Kizomba song out there as well in their language. And it's just really awesome to kind of see everybody kind of like offer up and like do that Kizomba mix to it. But the the two that seem to be the most popular are like hip hop and R&B because a lot of these Portuguese kind of ghetto zouk uh, neo songs are kind of sounding like slow jams or we will categorize as a slow jam slung, sung in Portuguese. I totally agree. And I think that the some of the hip hop similarities with the Kizomba remixes is what really drew me to Kizomba before I knew what it was and made me like the music that I had some sort of point of uh, reference. I think um, Eric Fitzgerald refers to Ghetto Zook as like the gateway drug. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what gets you into Kizomba music because, of course, uh, Kizomba Kizomba or sometimes people call it traditional Kizomba is with live instruments and it sounds very different. But uh, I had the, the same experience with bachata. When I first heard bachata, it sounded like polka in Spanish or something mm -hmm. to me. It didn't call to me. But when I heard 
Usher, but Chatified songs. I was like, oh, Usher, I love Usher. And then I was listening to it, and not too long, I was after that I was listening to Aventura, and then I was like, El Torito, Raulín, and all of these more um, traditional bachata artists. So I think um, one aspect of Kizomba that's so attractive is the music, and certainly being able to recognize genres that you've already been exposed to beforehand, perhaps, at least for me, opens up your mind to wanting to explore it more and then eventually dance it. And I will say, in, in, from what I'm seeing, being more predominantly experienced in the salsa and bachata scenes and the kizoma scenes, bachata also has like this flair to where a lot of the top 40 songs get remixed into bachata remixes. And the same thing happens with kizoma. You have Sam Smith, Beyonce, Usher, Mary J. Blanche, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> um, there's a Super Mario remix of a Tarashinya. Um, I'll put a link for that in the in the episode. There's a Harlem Shake Tarashinya song. Um, all this kind of stuff is spreading more and more. And like you really don't see a lot of other musical genres that have that variety and flexibility to encompass all these different separate musical genres and kind of like ties them all together loosely and in, in a way, shape or form. And it's, it's kind of awesome. I know there's some other genres out there that I'm not that experienced with, but from my experience, that seems to be what's been really, really popular and helps draw new people into into the scene as well to start dancing. Which brings us to our third reason why Kizoma sets your heart on fire is cultural fusion. I guess I wanna start off this topic with people who have traveled or being exposed or maybe growing up to with a kind of multi-ethnic, um, cultural, multicultural kind of upbringing will kind of allow you to appreciate the differences of different cultures and the beauty of different cultures. And Kizoma is kind of that kind of glue that's gluing a lot of different cultures together. I talked about my experience in in Madrid, my, my first Kizoma first festival, and how you just met all these different people from all these different parts of the world. And even if you didn't understand, if you, even if they didn't speak English, you could still kind of have fun with that person and kind of communicate through dance, which is kind of pretty pretty awesome. And Kizomba in its purest form is a fusion of a lot of different rhythms. There's, I mean, we can go into argument of like which rhythms really happen and which did that, but that's not the, the point of the podcast, but it, there, there was a fusion. Um, there are a lot of different stories out there. The more you start to investigate and search and things like that along your Kizomba journey, that'll definitely start to provide more and more insight into that. Um, there's a lot of beautiful culture and history with Angola and Cape Verde and Portugal and how they all kind of are interlinked to each other and the history behind that. But that cultural fusion of being able to dance and listen to songs that aren't necessarily your own that you grew up with, but you still find the beauty in them. And that can happen with salsa and bachata as well. But I feel like with kizomba, it's definitely a lot more multicultural than say salsa, because I mean, salsa, you have like maybe Puerto Rico, Colombia, and there's like a couple of other countries that are like really heavy salsa figures, but it's still under the scope of Latin. But with the African, you have like African, Caribbean, um, you have all these different subsets. I feel like you meet more international people in that regard through Kizoma more so than you would in other dances, depending on where you live. So a really interesting experience I had uh, was going to this workshop called Kizomba DNA, I believe was the name, and DJ Carlos Pedro, uh, who's Angolan, was giving this workshop at the Like Festival in Lisbon, which was this past uh, September. And something that he said was that when Kizomba, as we know it today, was being crystallized, a lot of Latin music was extremely popular in Angola, and that wasn't without influence, that a lot of the musicians 
who were uh, making music and a lot of people who were dancing kizomba were listening to uh, merengue, salsa, and other Latin rhythms like that. And another thing that he mentioned is that Angolans will dance kizomba to whichever kind of music is playing. And that could be something like, like salsa or merengue. So a, sort of my takeaway is that this fusion, cultural fusion aspect of it isn't necessarily new and is arguably something that's definitional, that what kizomba is to now invo- involved influences from, from different cultures and from different uh, musical genres. And, you know, I, I also think the way that um, kizomba has been marketed here in the U.S. and I guess in, in Europe as well is through congresses in the Latin dance world. So salsa, bachata, congresses and things like that. The, the first kizomba workshop that I ever took was at the Reno Bachata Festival. I hadn't any experience with African rhythms and it was a way for me to get exposed to it. So of course, there are a lot of Latinos who dance Latin rhythms, but you know, I'm a Caucasian person growing up in the U.S. and getting exposed to one cultural tradition, which is also the bachata dancing, opened up the door to kizomba to me. You're Caucasian. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I admit it. <laughs> um, a little backstory into that is that we're both kind of these honorary Latinos that are like pretty fluent in Spanish, but. I, my dad's Nigerian, my mom's American, born here in Texas, and Emily grew up in... I grew up in Northern California, and uh-huh. I'm an American of the Western and Northern European uh-huh. persuasion. Yeah, and we both love Spanish, we both love salsa and bachata, we both speak the language fluently, so I guess it's only a matter of time before we actually learn Portuguese as well, yeah? I think so, <laughs> I think so, and I think we're both weirdly complimented when someone mistakes us for a Cuban yeah. or a Puerto Rican, because... Um, I mean, there's a blend of cultures mm-hmm. in the Caribbean as well. And um, people look in, uh, there are people with blue eyes and there mm-hmm. are people with lighter skin and darker mm-hmm. skin. So, yeah, definitely. It's pretty awesome. I used to tell people like, oh, my dad's Colombian or something like that. So I don't have to <laughs> kind of like explain the whole history of why I speak Spanish. But um, I started learning it in high school and that's what sparked it for me. And then I started learning salsa, learning the songs and dating some Hispanic women slash Latin women. We won't get into that, but that's a whole nother history into itself. But I, I do think that's one aspect that really draws me to Kizomba, and I know has drawn a lot of people to Kizomba, is that no matter what your ethnic or cultural heritage, what it attracts is people who are interested in cultural exchange and having international friends and speaking different languages, and a lot, a lot of people who travel. And uh, it's also interesting that Kizomba really blew up once it came to Europe, and that's how it became so popular. So it's really involved a lot of people who aren't Angolan mm-hmm. or aren't from some of the African Lusophone countries like Cape Verde and so on, mm-hmm. that for whom it is not their familial or cultural or national tradition being interested in it. And I think learning about another culture and embarking upon the learning process of another dance inherently encompasses this sort of cultural exchange because, I mean, there are some Angolan dancers that I met that I'm not sure I would have met them in a different context were not for learning Kizomba. And it's allowed for this opportunity to meet people from all different backgrounds and to travel as well. Definitely, definitely. And even as a Kizomba instructor, like I've gotten the chance to like teach Kizomba in Mexico, in Canada. I've been to France. I'll be in Sweden in February. And then like you just I've never traveled so much in my life, but it's all thanks to Kizomba. And I've come across people with all kinds of like different cultural backgrounds and things like that. And it's really, it's a beautiful thing. You just kind of like feel like you're connecting with the human race, you know? And I feel like the more traveled you are, the more you are open to 
sharing and experiencing and respecting other cultural uh, differences and similarities and see where there is some overlap and like, huh, isn't that interesting? What caused that overlap and like things like that. So on that note, that will be the part one of the six reasons why Kizomba sets your heart on fire. We'll do this next podcast um, encompassing the next three reasons um, for the sake of the length of the podcast. So I'm pretty sure you guys have other things you need to do in the day, um, but we definitely appreciate you guys listening and stay tuned. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be updated. This podcast is going to encompass a lot of different topics, not just um, related to Kizomba, but just dance and like life dancing in general. So definitely stay tuned. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Ciao. Ninguém nos para, vamos embora. Ninguém nos para, vamos embora.